All right, good morning again. Can you hear me now? So today I'll be speaking to skillful speech. And uh, skillful speech is the third fold of the Eightfold Path. And uh, this is a Eightfold Path is a foundational teaching of the way from suffering to liberation. Or we could also say <clears throat> it unfolds the life of awakening. And speech is this um, complex and multifaceted realm of our lives. <clears throat> and through speech, we may enact, uh, perpetuate, and deepen suffering. And it's a realm through which we can open and share. Uh, express and embody awakening. Um, so it's a medium through which we as humans uh, can have a meaningful, impactful participation. It's vital to how we share a world together. And each is not separate from our uh, experience. and our, um, our bodily action, our uh, whole being uh, comes through our voice. And there's this a common experience, you know, when we hear a recording of our voice uh, that we don't like it. And, um, and there's various reasons for this, but uh, one study I, I read about found that uh, the reason actually that we don't like to hear the sound of our voice is that um, there is, um, we reveal more about our inner state than we think we do. And um, we're uncomfortable with that. When we're speaking, we don't realize how much is coming out, how much we're giving. And that when, when we hear a recording, it's like, ooh. So speech is this flow of giving and receiving. And speech uh, can form, it can inform, and speech also performs. We do things with our words. Speech is imbued with various forms of doing. And I would say it's a skillful speech is a practice. Um, so it's not something we um, uh, we master. It's not something we get right. It's endless engagement, endless possibility and transformation. And speech creates an environment. Speech creates a space. And so what kind of space do we want to create with our speech? through our practice of speech. And one place to start uh, exploring skillful speech is actually not with saying something, but with uh, listening. Uh, Thich Nhat Hanh says that deep listening is the foundation of skillful speech. And so, you know, how do we listen? We listen to sounds with our ears. 
We listen with our thinking mind, you know, attending to the content of speech. We can listen with our heart and our body, which is, you know, not the same as listening to the sounds or listening to the content. And we can also listen as joining uh, the wholeness of listening, the wholeness of a sound, speech, ears, mind, heart, um, body as one event. Listening is uh, giving space. So we, listening opens a space and we attend to what comes without rushing uh, to fill it in with something. Just receive. And uh, zazen, our sitting meditation practice, is a practice of uh, deep listening. Listening to sounds, uh, listening to sensations, emotions, uh, feelings, stories, voices, inner and outer. And this listening is um, intimate. It's, um, it's very close. It's intimacy that feels into uh, grasping. And um, in this listening of Zazen, thoughts and stories arise um, and listening is not that we get uh, intensely involved in the content of these thoughts, nor is it that we try to stop the thoughts or stories. Uh, listening can be a kind of inquiry. What needs to be heard here? What needs to be felt? What is the request? And listening is a gift we give to ourselves. And um, it can be also a gift we give to each other. Um, and this listening practice of Zazen um, can include working with uh, internal speech, you know, the ways we talk to ourselves. And um, you know this can this can um, include looking at you know my conditioning and some of the ways I have uh, internalized speech and that you know live in me. And uh, so how have I how have I been conditioned to speak to myself? And then this is you know how I talk to myself is a root of how I talk to others. So how is my um, internal speech or my self-talk, how is that skillful or unskillful, helpful or not helpful? How does it um, perpetuate suffering? How does it open into change, into a healing and liberation? And you know, when we're working with this internalized speech, um, not just working with the words, but with um, 
the, the psychophysical situation. So the body, mind, emotional formation that's happening with internal speech. And so you know, this, we have this embodied practice of zazen to, which can support us to take up a whole body and mind study of our conditioning, of our, how we work. Um, part of my experience of preparing for a talk is fear. And I usually feel my fear as a, a restless, uncomfortable churning in my belly. And um, for various reasons, some of which I, are clear and some of which aren't, in the past month, my fear has been more intense uh, than usual. I've had uh, more discomfort. The pain has been uh, stronger. <laughs> and with this, and as I've met this, I've felt this resolve to be, you know, deeper resolve to become intimate with this fear, with these sensations. And, um, and so part of, so partially there's this fear, uh, these sensations, this kind of churning. And then as I become intimate, I feel there's like there's tightness, there's bands of holding, there's ways I'm trying to control my fear and hold it, hold it in place or hold it down. And so without trying to pry open the grasping, but just, just feel, Feel this grasping, feel these bands of tightness, feel all the way through. Uh, so thoroughly feel them and allow them, allow the whole situation to be as it is. And then there can be moments when this tightness uh, releases. And sometimes when the tightness releases, uh, the fear releases or the fear changes. And, um, and then I open to this changed fear. And um, in this last month, um, this uh, changed fear has it's not been fear at all. It's been a different kind of pain. So the fear dissipates. And then there's this um, pain in the middle of my chest. And um, yeah, and I would not describe it as fear. Um, it feels um, like a wound, and um, and it's not churning. It's just open and raw. And um, and as I've been kind of becoming intimate with this uh, with this wound, you know. Fear is like oriented towards something that's going to happen or maybe something that is happening. Well, this, this wound feels like something that has happened. So it's, it's kind of um, based in the past. And then, you know, I mean, fear could, is often, you know, if something has happened to us in the past that we don't want to happen again, this gives us fear. So it makes sense that these are connected. And so now I'm, now I'm welcoming 
and feeling this wound and um, and I can and finding tightness there, holding there. And sometimes that holding releases. And sometimes when the holding releases, uh, the pain gets more intense or like, like, like um, impressively intense. And sometimes it just spreads and expands and hurts less. And the, and the practice is not like, when am I gonna stop feeling this pain? <laughs> but, but, but finding a, um, a healing presence. And so one thing I've also been doing with this wound is just listening to it. And I can hear voices. I can hear some speech, uh, something like, you are not enough. Or just sometimes very simple, just like wrong or no. And the pain of the wound is then like a wound or pain of uh, disapproval or loss of love or disconnection, uh, not feeling held. And so, so, there, so there's this internalized speech it might not even be speech I feel like I'm saying. It, it's words that have become part of me. And so how do I work with those words, with that internalized speech? Um, you know, shame is another kind of speech that, you know, we can have, you know, that, and that uh, a kind of self-hating, a judgment that's trying to kind of like, uh, that we've internalized is like, this is the way I'll be good. <laughs> is I'll just hate the stuff that's bad or not right or not perfect. So how do we work with this kind of internalized speech? Um, we could try just to speak over it or um, try to control it, or we could try to suppress it. Um, but you know, as I'm sitting you know, in intimacy with this wound, kind of messing with the words seems sort of, uh, not a way of connecting with the wound and actually healing. And so what, what actually opens a dynamic growth or what opens a space of change. And so my, my, my feeling is that the developing a connection is what's healing and releasing uh, the grasping is what's liberating. And these two are intertwined. Um, and so grasping or the holding or the tightening of these, these are my attempts to take care of myself um, in an unskillful way. It's actually, it's I'm trying to take care of myself, but it's trying to take care of myself in a way that actually prevents the wound from healing, keeps the wound alive and unintegrated. And it also um, keeps the fear going. 
keeps other unskillful stuff based on the wound going. And so, so in working with the wound and working with this speech to not just um, add another layer of grasping. Shame, you know, could be another way of just adding another layer of grasping on top of grasping. So what is speech that opens a connection? And so I could offer um, metta or loving kindness. You could say something like meet with my pain, with mercy and care. Or I could also just, just address the wound or the pain, like welcome. I am here with you now. Uh, you are whole. Or uh, some inquiry. Uh, how can I take care of you? What is it? What is a healing connection? And with these words, you know, so introducing speech to continue to feel and be grounded in the body, to breathe into the pain to let breath carry uh, these words, this speech into the pain. So constantly growing a somatic connection. And the healing I feel is in the growing or thickening or you know, deepening of this connection of relationship and intimacy. And not in a kind of getting rid of, getting past, transcending, or getting beyond the pain or the wound. So this is a this is a uh, integrative or inclusive approach. So that's something about working with internalized speech, and so turning to external or interpersonal speech. Um, I wanted to bring up a few reflections on two key qualities of uh, skillful speech. So uh, truthfulness and um, kindfulness, kindness. <laughs> so it's first to say something about truthfulness or truth or being honest. Um, uh, Dojin and I often invoke um, Dogen's image from Genjo Korn of going out into the middle of an ocean and looking around. And, um, and all you can see in that situation is a circle of water. And so Dogen says like, you know, even though that's all you can see, the other features of oceans and mountains are infinite in variety. And he says like, uh, you know, with everything, all we see is this is a limited circle of water. Beyond everything we know or see or feel or could say, there's always um, uh, features beyond what we say or see or know that are infinite in variety. And, um, and the problem, our problem is not, I would say that we can't know the whole ocean. Um, our problem is when we grasp our circle of water 
as you know, the circle of water, what we know or what we see as the ocean. And so practice is not trying to get rid of our circles of water. It's not trying to get rid of our constructs or what we know. We need that. Um, but is how do I speak, you know, from my circle of water, knowing it's a, just a circle of water? And so one practice I've been exploring with this is locating myself. So, uh, and this is to kind of put us in a circle of water that we are acknowledging as just a circle of water. So locating myself as a man, as heterosexual, as I, I guess I would say somewhat cisgendered not totally cisgendered. Um, it could also include locating myself as someone who was born in the late 60s, 1960s, raised on the south side of Chicago, living in North, Northern California for about the last 30 years. I can locate myself as someone who is white uh, and as someone who is white growing up in this country, someone who's been impacted and shaped by the systemic racism I grew up in. And while I didn't choose that, taking responsibility for that. When I don't apprehend my circle of water as the ocean, then when I speak, um, there's some natural humility, uh, uncertainty, uh, openness and curiosity. And so, and I'm kind of open to new information and new kinds of information. And this makes me open to learning and growing and learning and growing in new ways. And I would say also that this locating myself is a moment to moment practice. It's an ongoing living inquiry. And also, you know, to locate myself is always situational. It's context dependent and it's always uh, relational. Um, as I thought about this, I, th I've, I reflected on, you know, the. This, ex this example of a speech act is, um, um, I love you. And so in my closest relationships, I've said this many times. And so when I say it today, it's, it's not really novel information. And, and I think for me, this is an important part of what truthfulness can be, is not, not, a, not a kind of revelation of some novel content or some information that wasn't previously known, but as a, as a practice of speech, um, expressing in a living way where I am right now. And um, our loving relationships being something we were caring for, we care for these relationships, we care for all of our relationships, hopefully. And so we're 
when we say I love you, this can be an act of just of caring for the relationship and making contact, making a connection as a, and this is a practice. This isn't a, um, something we finish. So that there's a truthfulness, there can be a truthfulness in what we're saying, um, not so much in the content, but in the connection, the connection to my life and the connecting to whoever I'm with. And the, the truthfulness is, in this case, is more like where the words are coming from. And this is not about how do we have the same circle of water, but just this opening to how we're in an ocean together. Part of the part of you know letting go of our circle of water as the ocean can feel like and can be a letting go of how we establish myself, how I establish, how I know who I am, or letting go of an investment in, in certain ideas of myself and identity. And at the same time, you know, becoming more fully actually myself, but not a self which is established by a circle of water, but myself in an ocean and as an ocean. And so I see this locating myself in a kind of, as a dynamic thing. And um, as a middle way between kind of grasping my circle of water or my identity construct as real and also denying its reality, impact or relational significance. So a middle way and a middle way with transformative potential. And again, towards a kind of integrative liberation. So not a freedom from, but a freedom with this actual person, this body and a heart and mind and wound and stuff. And this is also to say that we kind of let go of speaking from an objective place, that, that there's some objective perspective that we could assume and speak from. Um, and I would say that, that, you know, that doesn't exist. We don't get that. <laughs> we're totally located. We're, we're totally subjective. But we have this idea of an objective view. And when we get caught by that, we can enact uh, domination. Um, there are Zen teachings which um, kind, of, kind of imply or say that, you know, basically everything we say is a mistake. And then also not saying anything is a mistake. So there's a koan. Uh, that says, if you speak, you get 30 blows. If you don't speak, you get 30 blows. So 30 blows was like a criminal punishment. So there again, anyway, if you speak, wrong. <laughs> if you don't speak, wrong. And we value silence in Zen. 
and silences this wonderful support for studying skillful speech. And sometimes silence can actually be a living expression of skillful speech. So we have, we have in Zen, we have moments in, in our stories where silence is the expression. It is the response. But also silence is not a place to abide. And silence can become a way of avoiding the risk and responsibility and transformative potential of speaking. And so this koan, I think one way I can experience this koan, if you speak, you get 30 blows. If you don't speak, you get 30 blows. I could experience it as a kind of double bind or like a catch 22. But, um, but I feel like uh, the koan is actually asking me to live in a dynamic tension and a tension that between how anything we say is kind of a problem, <laughs> but also that we can't hide out in silence. Or that's the kind of negative way of putting it. I mean, the more positive way of putting it would be living in attention of the responsibility to speak uh, and a responsibility to uh, care for silence. And so when it comes to giving a Dharma talk, I, I feel kind of, I feel kind of humbled about anything I could say. And, um, and uh, I often think of Katagiri Roshi saying, you have to say something. And so I feel like um, our speech, um, when we're in touch with this tension, uh, it can enliven our speech. I want to say a few words about kindness. Mainly, I wanted to offer a distinction between kindness and being nice. Mm -hmm. And um, where being nice can be a way of uh, avoiding discomfort. While kindness involves in acknowledging, uh, facing, and working with discomfort. And so kindness being, being offered as a, a way for us to actually, to be real with each other. And, you know, we can, you know, we, there's, a, there's an idea of like, well, what is a safe place? And, um, you know, I think along with like being nice, there's a kind of idea, well, a safe place is where I'm not gonna be made to feel uncomfortable. And that there's kind of a, there's a little bit of a demand or a kind of rule. We're gonna be nice and we're gonna keep, we're not gonna, we're not gonna push each other into discomfort. And, um, and this is, can be, this is a kind of, uh, you know, a way that we can relate to each other. <laughs> and it's also a way that perpetuates suffering. Um, and it's, it's kind of a way of bypassing and it can create social confinement and um, it can block transformative 
uh, intimacy and inquiry. So how do we, you know, in nurturing a real connection, you know, how do we skillfully face discomfort? And, uh, and rather than a safe space, then like there's this idea of like, well, a brave space. Actually, you know, safe spaces just don't exist. <laughs> They're illusory. <laughs> so, you know, we can try for that, um, but that you have to just, you just have to go into denial if you want a safe space. Um, and I would say, so our, a foundation of our kind speech is our intimacy with our own discomfort. My own pain and hurt, reactivity and um, responsiveness. And I also feel like this is part of, um, or I feel kind of a connection here with what Dojin was speaking of um, a few weeks ago, calling in. So calling in, this is, this is challenging each other, but it's not, it's not in a way that's shaming each other. And we can call each other in and actualize coming together rather than uh, separating. And then kind of the last thing I want to touch on here is to turn skillful speech as skillful conversation. And that conversation is a turning together. It's turning and being turned. And it's a, um, it's mutual, it's reciprocal. So a skillful speech is a mutually transformative conversation mutually uh, challenging and mutually awakening. So it's not uh, speech, sometimes I hear speech and it can sound like, well, is this like a one-way communication? And I would say if it's skillful speech, it's, it's a two-way meeting. And so this is like this reciprocity of deep listening and expressing ourselves fully with uh, you know, truthfulness and kindness. And every interaction or an encounter is a chance to explore and learn how to be here with this person in a way that's allowing this encounter to teach me something. Uh, something that um, I it could not bring to this moment, something that's only here about what it is to be together fully. So we're kind of all, any interaction, any conversation could be entering into a kind of a sense of partnership with, um, with uh, humility and curiosity. And a conversation is a, um, it's a co-creation. So here's this chance to show up for something that's never exactly happened before. And there isn't a technique or, or some special insight that we actually can bring to this. I mean, we can, we can try, but I would say that 
our, uh, the deepest intimacy is going to open from showing up with trust and finding a fullness of life here um, that is not going to fit in our circle of water. And this is speech that's um, fully uh, humanizing each other and opens change and opens healing and opens liberation and, um, and is often hard um, because it's, it is vulnerable and it is relational and it is not in my control and it's opening to a broader and deeper sense of responsibility at the same time. All right, so thank you very much.